Gina Report 2020 podcast, Keeping Asthma Control in Times of COVID-19. Part 2, Gina Report 2020, What's New? With Dr. Helen Riddell. Hello, my name is Helen Riddell from the Wilcock Institute of Medical Research in Sydney, Australia. I'm chair of the Science Committee of the Global Initiative for Asthma, Gina. This podcast is to bring you up to date with some of the changes in the GINA 2020 report, which was published in early April. The report, a pocket guide summary and slide set are available for download from the GINA website. The GINA report itself is a global evidence-based strategy that can be adapted for national guidelines based on local health systems and medicine availability. It's updated every year following a cumulative review of new evidence. The GINA approach to asthma management is focused on two goals. So one is to improve symptom control and the other is to protect patients from the risks of severe flare-ups or exacerbations and asthma-related death. These goals are achieved with a personalised approach to assessment, adjusting treatment and reviewing the patient's response. This is not one size fits all. Assessment includes confirming the diagnosis of asthma if necessary, assessing the patient's symptom control, their modifiable risk factors and their comorbidities, checking their inhaler technique and adherence, and asking about their preferences and goals as part of shared decision making. Adjusting treatment includes different medication options, and it also includes treatment of modifiable risk factors and comorbidities, non-pharmacological strategies, and importantly, education and skills training. Reviewing the patient's response, the third component, includes symptom control, exacerbations, side effects, lung function, and patient satisfaction. Now, you might remember that last year in 2019, Gina announced a fundamental change in the approach to asthma treatment. The key change was that treatment of asthma with short-acting bronchodilators alone was no longer recommended for adults and adolescents. Instead, Gina recommended that all adults and adolescents with asthma should receive inhaled corticosteroid-containing treatment, either regular daily treatment or in the case of mild asthma, a new option of taking combination low-dose inhaled corticosteroid formoterol inhaler as needed when symptoms occurred. This was not only to relieve those symptoms, but also to reduce the patient's risk of severe exacerbations. The background to these changes last year was, firstly, that patients with apparently mild asthma were at risk of serious flare-ups and even asthma-related death. Secondly, there was increasing awareness that regular or frequent use of short-acting beta agonists such as salbutamol is associated with increased emergency department visits, increased allergic responses and increased airway inflammation. For example, dispensing of three canisters of salbutamol a year, which corresponds to an average of only five or six times a week, is associated with doubling of the risk of emergency department presentations. Thirdly, we knew that although inhaled corticosteroid-containing controllers are highly effective at minimising these risks, 
Few patients with asthma take them regularly. Instead, patients take them often for a few days or weeks at a time, and then they stop. This means that each time the patient is reverting back to treatment with short-acting beta agonist alone, and they're exposed then to the risk of severe flare-ups. The final component that allowed Gina to make this major change in recommendations in 2019 was the substantial evidence provided by two very large double-blind randomised controlled trials in patients with mild asthma. These studies showed that as-needed low-dose ICS formoterol reduced the risk of severe exacerbations by around two-thirds compared with short-acting beta agonist alone. And to a similar extent, as inhaled corticosteroids taken regularly twice a day. This benefit was achieved with less than a quarter of the dose of inhaled corticosteroid averaged over a year and with a very small difference in symptom control and lung function. These clinical trials had been prompted and initiated by GINA members to fill the evidence gap about treatment of mild asthma. In the GINA 2020 report, the 2019 recommendations about treatment of mild asthma were further strengthened by evidence from two additional randomised controlled trials of as-needed low-dose budesonide formoterol in mild asthma. Both of these studies were open-label, so patients used the inhaler as they would in real life. This treatment again reduced severe exacerbations by around two-thirds compared with as-needed short-acting beta agonist alone, and this time to an even greater extent than regular low-dose inhaled corticosteroids. Importantly, both of the new studies included type 2 inflammatory markers at baseline. Both of them showed that the reduction in severe exacerbations with as-needed ICS formoterol was independent of the baseline level of exhaled nitric oxide and blood eosinophils. So this indicates that the as-needed ICS formoterol treatment regimen is efficacious regardless of the patient's baseline inflammatory status. This is not really surprising because exacerbations are sometimes inflammatory and sometimes not. And the as-needed combination delivers both the anti-inflammatory treatment and an effective bronchodilator right at the time when symptoms start to increase. There are still some questions to be answered about this treatment, but the evidence supporting as-needed ICS formoterol for treatment of mild asthma in adults and adolescents now totals almost 10,000 patients and this regimen is now approved in many countries. For those who don't have access to as-needed inhaled corticosteroid formoterol, there is some evidence, although from much smaller studies, that taking inhaled corticosteroids whenever the patient takes their short-acting beta agonist inhaler reduces exacerbations compared with taking just the short-acting beta agonist alone. A further study of this strategy was published last year in African-American children. What about moderate to severe asthma? What is the preferred reliever for these patients? In patients who have a history of exacerbations, the risk of further exacerbations can be substantially reduced 
if low-dose ICS famotrol is used as both the maintenance treatment every day and also as the patient's reliever inhaler instead of a short-acting beta agonist. For patients prescribed other inhaled corticosteroid long-acting beta agonist combinations as their maintenance treatment, the reliever inhaler continues to be short-acting beta agonist. However, it's really important to remember that if you are considering a regimen that includes a short-acting beta agonist as the reliever, you need to always assess if this patient is at risk of poor adherence because when they're poorly adherent, they're taking short-acting beta agonist alone with the risks that I mentioned earlier. Finally, in this podcast, I want to tell you about some additional resources that we have included in the GINA 2020 report. As you know, the GINA treatment figure, like those in many guidelines, is shown as a series of steps. So treatment intensity can be increased if asthma is not well controlled despite good adherence and correct inhaler technique, and it can be decreased when asthma is well controlled. However, we have been asked the question, whereabouts on the steps should treatment be started? Should all patients be started on step one treatment? That was certainly not the intention of the stepwise figure. So to help guide your choice of initial asthma treatment, we have provided new figures, two each for adults or adolescents and two for children six to 11 years, showing where you should start on the treatment figure according to the patient's baseline condition. For example, you would start at step two if the patient had symptoms twice a month or more, but not on most days. These new figures about initial asthma treatment are available in the slide set called What's New in GINA 2020? And a full teaching slide set will be on the website shortly. So thank you very much for listening. Remember, you can download the GINA report and pocket guide and other resources from the GINA website, www.genasthma.org. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the GINA Report 2020 podcast. For more information, please visit ginasthma.org.